we go to work and when we're Sarah and our bottle of wine. <laughs> we haven't uh, named it yet. It did come with its own name, but you can change it just like when you adopt a cat from the shelter. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if anyone keeps cat names from the shelter. I don't know. I bet they do if Probably. they like it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so how have you been? What's new? It's been a while. Yeah. I was sick for uh, an entire seven days and I'm still recovering. I don't know what it was. I got the flu shot on a Thursday and then the next Monday I started to not feel well. So I don't want to attribute it to that. Don't <laughs> smile, Sarah. <laughs> it's definitely that. <laughs> yeah, I went through like all the symptoms of everything. Um, and now I'm just kind of have a lingering headache, but I get headaches regularly. So I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah. Other than that, uh, cut my hair real short. I know. It looks so cute. Thank you. I haven't had it this short in like since I was 20. Wow. Really? It's been a really long time. Yeah. I always have hair down to my butt. And when I was like 10 years ago, I cut it to shorter than this. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's adjustment. It's like a long A-line type of thing. Yeah. It's really cute. It looks like Thick and just sassy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Change of color. Yeah. Also, I think wine is going to make you feel better. Um, as we've discussed before, uh-huh. alcohol kills all the germs in your body. So this is probably going to cure you of whatever's oh, going on. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, I need a, a redemption because I have to admit, I was feeling really totally fine back to myself in the midst of being that seven-day sickness. So I had some rosé and I had too much rosé and then I threw up rosé. And <laughs> now I'm like, mm, I don't know if I can have rosé anymore. <laughs> so let's clear the palate with this wine. So you brought this. It's 14 Hands Winery and this is called Hot to Trot Smooth Red Blend from Columbia Valley. And it has horses on it. That are red. They they look like they're hot to trot. <laughs> it's a very colorful bottle. It is. I almost got the other one, the Chardonnay, but then I just was really craving it red. And I haven't tried this brand. I've seen it. Have you seen it before? I've heard of 14 Hands Winery, but I don't think I've seen this red blend before. And I don't think I've tried anything from there. Yeah. Well, uh, I wanted to like get something different because I was like, I know Sarah's had a lot of Coppola. I have. I've had Coppola. And so I was like, let's try. Let's see how it is. This is aromas of ripe berries balanced with smooth flavors of black cherry and plum. Let's see. I feel like it should be like a heart. <laughs> I break it. <laughs> no, I'm going to screw this up. <laughs> we should have like a backup cork pop just in case. Takeshi, can you get on that sound effects? Yeah. Also, can we get one of those yeah. sound effects just and, for shits and giggles? And I think a harmonica should have just been playing when she was um, reading the description of the wine. Can you <laughs> add all that in there? <laughs> Come like, on, Takeshi. I did not sign up for a musical. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. How about you? How you were at Hangtown? Yes, I had so much fun. Um, 
we just, we had a blast. We had a really good campsite. We were camped right next to this band called Red Dirt Ruckus and they were Ooh. playing music all the time. And then they went, they had all these people with jellyfish costumes and there was this pirate's booty ball costume theme night. So we went on a jellyfish pirate parade. Oh my and, gosh. Um, it was just so fun. That sounds so fun. Yeah. Your pictures? Uh, not of the jellyfish parade. Oh. I'm sure somebody has some, but we I didn't get any of that. But I have other pictures. And uh, also the band Kung Fu played. Hmm. And the last time I saw them in concert was at Hangtown three years ago. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they uh, I was feeling really sick the night they played this late night set. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my period and I had just the worst cramps ever. And it was kind of cold that year. Mm. So I remember just feeling like crap and leaving in the middle of their, middle of their set and they'd been playing this song that was super catchy. And so I was looking it up on YouTube and on iTunes and I could never find it. For three years, I've been searching for this song and no. they played it yesterday. And I was like, yeah. Oh my God. It's called Daddy D in case anybody wants to listen to it. It's really catchy. Daddy D. Uh-huh. I remember once at work, you were like, there was one day you were just looking over and over and we're like, do you remember the words? No. Do you remember this? No. Do you know this? Was it that song? <laughs> when was that? Uh, I don't know, like several months ago, you were trying to find a specific song and you were putting in like the one part that you knew and you couldn't find it. And maybe it was a song. That sounds like me. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds exactly like what I did with this group. So I was so happy to hear them play. Also, they did three sets, two of them on Saturday night and one Mm -hmm. on Sunday during the day. Saturday night was just a blast. They, um, They had such a good set and everybody was dancing and it was, everybody was feeling so good. Like we didn't even just stand and look at the band. You know, it's fun when people start to turn around and dance with each other. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a great time. And Railroad Earth was just amazing as usual. Although they had to perform without Andy Gessling and that was weird, but... Do they have like someone stand in doing... Yeah, they had a couple different people. Um, They had a keyboard player that stuck with them the whole weekend and he was really entertaining. He was Mm -hmm. good. I don't know if they're going to, you know, hang on to them or not. And then they had some guest banjo players and some mm. guest guitarists and fiddle. I mean, they usually, you know, mix it up a little bit during these festivals. So That's amazing that one person did all that before. He played everything. It's crazy. Like, I don't know. He was oh. just amazing talent. And they had a really nice um, altar set up for him as mm. a memorial. So that was really nice to be able to go and just kind of say goodbye and... And you said someone did paintings. What were the paintings mm-hmm. of him? Mm-hmm. Or, she, oh. My friend Sarah did these really nice paintings of, of Andy and she put lots of glitter in them, which is <sighs> just telltale Sarah. She loves glitter, <laughs> but they were really good. Aww. Yeah, it was really sweet. sweet. Well, I think last time we said like, rest in peace him. I think we already said that, but that's, I don't know. Is it feel cl- any better to you that you saw the band now that he's gone and like... Um, a little bit. I mean, I feel like I've... Uh, you know, I don't know this man personally, but he's influenced my life a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was good to just grieve, I guess. Yesterday mm-hmm. during Railroad Earth's last set, um, there was a song they played and it just, I don't know, I think maybe I was noticing that he was missing or maybe it was the lyrics or something and it finally just hit me and I started crying and... Mm. Um, I was standing right in front and I felt like the band could see me and people in the audience could see me. Someone actually said something to me after the show. and um, But anyway, it just felt good to cry and get it over with and, yeah. and then just celebrate the life that goes on. So, mm-hmm. oh, Well, it sounds like you had a good time. I did. That's fun. <laughs> 
It's fun. <laughs> I love Hangtown. It's the best. Is it just you and Ryan? Um, yeah, but we have like a group of friends that goes every mm-hmm. year. So we hung out with them and yeah. we ran into... To yeah. Beth, a nurse that we know. So yeah. that was really fun. I was not expecting That was like the coolest surprise. You sent me that picture. Like, <laughs> hi, guys. <laughs> how fun. Well, good. So good how's thing. work been going for you? Anything new or different there? Uh, something we actually have coming up, which um, I don't think happened for a while. We have a bubble study. Hmm. I mean, it's not like a big thing, but we have a bubble study coming up and no one ha- except me right now knows how to do it. Really? I, I thought that Jessica had done one, but maybe mm-hmm. not. We haven't had any since she's worked with us. Oh, wow. That's so, been a long time. Yeah. I don't think since Anna has either. So I don't know if it's been a year or what. I don't know why there was such a lull, but uh, yeah, we actually have one, I think like the end of the next month or something. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I guess I can teach something to somebody. Everybody get ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, just little things have improved, uh, moving things around that were like busy work for us, like faxes, Mm -hmm. um, finally got taken off our plate and just- No way. Yeah. Finally. Finally. That's awesome. Um, It was just making our, us get really behind on important patient care stuff, especially Fridays. It was being a big deal. Anyway, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, Work's been good. Everything's good. 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 I haven't, I wasn't there for like four four and a half, five days because I was sick. And I was oh, fr- really? Friday's off. So I left half half the day Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so half the day Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then I had Saturday, Sunday. So it was like a really long break. Huh, Unfortunately, that's nice, it, though. yeah, it's, it's <laughs> nice, except that I felt crappy most of the time. But yeah, oh well. that's a bummer. That's okay. I'm failing butter. Did you, oh, you tasted it. Yeah, already. this is pretty good. Um, I do get the, the plum a little bit and it's got a little bit of spiciness in it, like cinnamon or something maybe, or what are you, oh, yeah. what are you tasting? I actually really like that. It just, it brought me right to Thanksgiving for some reason. Oh yeah? Yeah. The second I tasted it, I just thought of Thanksgiving. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that weird? It just immediately took me there. I don't think it's that weird. Sometimes I feel that way with certain Zinfandels. Like I'll drink it and think, ah, oh, this is a Christmas wine. <laughs> Yeah, like this is a sitting on the couch and snuggling when it's cold outside wine. <laughs> I like it. It's good. It has a lot of different flavors. It's like kind of dry at the end. Maybe it feels wet because it's liquid, but it's kind of dry. <laughs> <laughs> like my mouth feels kind of dry in the end. Is that is that what they mean by dry? Yeah, like when it kind of makes your mouth pucker, it feels like it's kind of... Like when you smoke weed and then the... you have like cotton mouth. <laughs> Kind of. So I think that's the tannins. That's, you know, when they say wine is tannic. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I like it. And I like the color. Jammy. It feels jammy. I just want to say all these words, but I'm embarrassed because you guys are wine people. Hey, so I want to say what comes, I should just say what comes to my mind. You just say whatever is in your heart to say. That's the thing about wine. There's no wrong thing to say, Can basically. I- <laughs> Is naproxen turmeric with wine? Good idea. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think it matters because I'm taking it with water and then drinking wine. So, okay, I'm just gonna. <laughs> you do you. Take a big gulp. <laughs> uh, so we've been talking about death a lot this month, and I wanted to just talk about one other aspect of death that we haven't touched on yet, as we're rounding up. 
October. October. Mm-hmm. And uh, Halloween's coming up. Not that this has anything to do with Halloween, but just death and dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, it kind of does. Sorry. It depends on your culture. So Halloween for us, but Dia de los Muertos for Hispanic people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has to do a ton about, a ton with death. It's all about your loved ones and them dying. And I think it's so beautiful. I want that to be my life. I like love Dia de los Muertos. We make altars in my family. I used to make sugar schools. Sorry, going off tangent, but no, I- No, that's okay. Anywho. I agree with you. I mean, I, I wish that was part of my culture growing mm-hmm. up and I'm starting to consider doing it because, um, okay, have you seen the movie Coco? Yes. <laughs> it's such a cute movie it's though. It's so good. It made really me is. cry. Yeah, um, made me cry too. But I feel like that's when I really learned about Dia de los Dia de los Muertos and mm-hmm. what it actually means mm-hmm. um, and Day why. Of the dead. Yeah. Like I knew that's what it meant before, no, but no, I wasn't I was just like, translating for oh, the okay. people listening. <laughs> um, but I didn't realize that it was actually like, okay, you're leaving these things out because you want the people who you mm-hmm. love who passed on to come back and visit and you want that. It's, you know, remembering them and showing that you're still remembering them and right. giving them, you know, signs that you want them to come back, like offering good things to eat and putting mm-hmm. the marigolds out to yeah. so they can follow the the color and the scent. Apparently mm-hmm. I read this. Hopefully that's true. Yeah. Um, it's it's beautiful. And they have a, a goal of mine at some point in my life is to go for Dia de los Muertos in, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And they have, I mean, it's a huge, beautiful thing and can be crazy, but uh, I think it's a beautiful celebration. Also, it's just so part of the culture uh, that's all about family Mm-hmm. You know, and they often live together as family forever. The parents or grandparents live in the house of the younger kids, even with their kids and married. And I think that's so nice. Um, also, in the newspaper recently, they're doing these housing development things. So they they build little granny units behind as part of the a house that you're it, you're meant to have your parents live in, mm-hmm. or something like that. So it keeps the family together. This is like a new idea in My, Mexico. No, here. Oh. My mom was reading it to me the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Oh, so you're saying granny units actually for grannies, not just for, you know, <laughs> tenants that you can... <laughs> right. Actually to keep family together. So yeah. they have a separate entrance, but you can all be on, and that's the purpose of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're all on the same property and you're together with a little privacy. And I would love that. Actually, my family and I, we joke a lot. We I have a huge family. I have six brothers and sisters and... um lots of nieces and nephews. And we joke that we should get a mansion mm-hmm. <laughs> where we each can have our own wing so we can mm-hmm. be together, but not too together. Yeah. Because yeah, privacy is good. Right. <laughs> like a little commune mm-hmm. where you have, you know, a huge piece of land and several properties on it mm-hmm. and y'all get to be there and you can meet at a, a center Everybody's got to pull their weight though. Listen, there's not going to be any slacking off if we're going to live on a commune. Andrew, you better be doing some chores. <laughs> Uh-oh, she's calling you out. <laughs> Just kidding, Andrew's all right. <laughs> anyway, so it all ties into death is what the point is. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about suicide. Um, September was actually Suicide Awareness Month, so we missed that, but oh well, we can still talk about it. Close enough. Yeah, and um, I was doing a little research and... I've heard before that physicians have a really high suicide rate, but um, I also was finding that, so men are more likely to commit suicide than women. Um, I think like 
mm, I can't remember what percentage more likely, but of women who commit suicide, nurses are 34% more likely to commit suicide. Nope, Mm. 24% more um, than the rest of the population that's not in healthcare, that's not in nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, this was according to a study that was done um, in England, which, so that's not the US, but I mean, people are people. We're similar, yeah. so, you know, we can presume that it, it may be similar here in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting that that nurses are more likely to commit suicide and it kind of explored the different reasons um, and a lot of it is just the the stressors that nurses face at work and at home and trying to balance that plus the access to lethal mm, drugs if you mm-hmm. need them, yeah. if, if you want them. Um, so anyway, I just, I thought that was something that was interesting. Um, that makes sense. I mean, it's a really stressful job. You're seeing a lot of people suffering... Um, things you can't unsee. You learn a lot about the good and the bad. And uh, I think a lot of nurses have PTSD and it makes sense that that can happen. Totally. And you're torn kind of between the patient and the healthcare system that you work for. So you want to do the best you can for the patient. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the actual job prevents you from doing that because you have to do all these other things like the endless charting, which is important because charting is how you, you know, document what happened so that you can go back and look and see what worked for a patient, what didn't, but also in case something bad ever happens, that's a good way to protect yourself. You know, if you didn't document it, you didn't do it. So Mm documentation is really important. Um, But it just seems that some of those things get in the way of actually being able to spend time with your patients. Sometimes you're torn in that way. Nurses put other pressures on each other, you know, other healthcare professionals put pressures on on nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you said, just the trauma of the day-to-day seeing, right. seeing devastation every day. And I don't think you forget, you know, you, you see, might see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients in your life and you might not f- remember, you know, really intricate details, but you remember their stories, you remember their pain or what they were going through. And um, that's hard. It's a hard thing to do as your career. Agreed. Um, Um, That's something I think working out of the hospital that I, it's something I like about working out of the hospital is I'm not seeing, mostly if you're inpatient, meaning you're in the hospital, you're sick, something is wrong, it's not a good thing, unless you're having a baby that's, you know, an exception to a more positive area. Uh, But otherwise, it's a down, sad, difficult place to be. And you're there as the number one person for that patient. For any patient you're assigned, you are their person. You have to make it happen. You have to fix them and also follow orders and chart and take care of yourself and try not to pee your pants and don't cry and try to get, or, you know, it's <laughs> try hard. Try not to pee your pants, that's legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's hard. And in an office, we, a lot of our patients die, especially in cardiology, but it just doesn't seem, it's not, it's not the same. You don't see... They're not inpatient. They're more positive, and when they are suffering, usually can actually do something to help right then, mm-hmm. or close. You know, that's different. That must be a tough transition for you. Oh yeah, the first day I went back in the hospital, it was kind of a shock. Uh, I did only pee twice the whole day in twelve hours, which is really unusual for me because mm-hmm. I usually pee 
uh, every hour and a half to two hours. So you're probably drinking less water too. I probably am. Yeah. I was hungry all day. <laughs> it was just, it was a hard transition. I was yeah. cold. My feet hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just remembering how to um, just be with someone, pay attention to them constantly and be thinking about what might be going on that they don't even realize. And mm-hmm. yeah, just being on all the time, like really. Anyway, so it was stressful, but I, I'm excited about yeah. being back there. Um, but I, I also, so talking about nursing suicide rates, so it looks like um, not a lot of data in the US has been compiled about that. And UCSD has started to um, kind of notice that nursing suicide rates are higher than the general population of women. And so they started to implement the screening process that they already used for their physicians. Um, And they found that uh, of all the people that they screened, so 172 people um, completed the questionnaire. They they handed out this questionnaire. Mm -hmm. 43% of the people participating were ranked as high risk for suicide. Mm. And 55% were moderate risk. So that's almost everyone who completed the survey, (laughs) Um, which is kind of scary. Anyway, they said that uh, 12 people reported current active thoughts um, or even actions of self-harm. And 19 of the people had previously reported or attempted suicide. So, you know, they did this screening and then they had a way that you could um, be connected to someone to for help and then some of the people even accepted referrals to a long-term program after wow. that which I thought was really cool it's something you know maybe the the healthcare system in general needs to start thinking about right I mean they probably saved a couple lives you never know mm-hmm. if people were already on that path and so far down it you know that's uh that's wow where this is in England the in England is where they were trying to compile the statistics about nursing suicide rates at UCSD Health Mm-mm. Healthcare Center is where they started implementing the questionnaire. UCSD, okay, yeah, yeah. I think I feel like every job should. I mean, you'd at least catch some people mm-hmm. that were really going down that path, and you could intervene. Yeah, I uh, agree. Oh my oh. gosh, what just happened? So. Maki tried to jump on the very top and then kind of hit her face or didn't make it quite all the way and just fell right down. <laughs> oh, poor thing. <laughs> oh, Maki, poor kitty. Oh. Poor baby. Is that is did you guys take one off or something? No. Oh, she's just not very graceful. She's just clumsy tonight. She's <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Maki got started drinking before you got here. So it's her Dang. own fault. <laughs> she should be in the podcast. <laughs> She's uh, no, I'm pretty sure she's just trying to get attention every week. She tries to get on the podcast, and uh, And she's always over here. I heard her in one episode, Hi, Maki, and Maki's really, yeah, yeah, she's an attention whore, aren't you, Maki? Very cute one, (laughs) please. I'll give her my attention. Um, have you ever, have you, well, I know you haven't worked in the hospital, but have you ever encountered a patient like on the phone or anything who's talked about suicide or? Wanting to commit suicide? I, I'm i not sure. Like, I can't remember any specific situations, but I feel like, uh, I don't know. Maybe in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, a- I've asked a lot of people, mm-hmm. Are you, do you currently feel, you know, like you would commit suicide or have any suicidal thoughts or do you have a plan? I've asked many patients that question before. I don't think... 
any of them. Oh, actually, yes. Okay. I got it. Yeah. But back when I was working at Alliance Medical Center, Mm -hmm. uh, there were, we had a really good psych. This wonderful woman came on board, a psychologist or psychiatrist, psychologist, I think. And she said, if you have any patient, even if I have everyone booked and they are really not doing good, you knock on my door and I'm going to see them right then. Hmm. And she always, when she was done with her next one, she would always, she would never say no. It was so nice. And we did. We had some that were like right there and then I feel suicidal, like I want to kill myself. And we just brought it right in there. I mean, it was it was a great thing. But yeah, that's actually, had to d- dig deep back into my thoughts. But um <laughs> I did. And I don't think on the phone, I think most of the time when I've asked people, they say no, or I've heard about like friends that have said, you know, I've on occasion, not really, but kind of thought about it and Mm. what would it, but I wouldn't have the guts to do it. But I've had several people outside of work say that. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. You guys had that resource in your office Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like a lot of times it comes up uh, in work, you know, and uh, you don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're in cardiology now, so right. it's like, what do we do with that? Yeah. Um, you don't want to say, okay, well, I'm going to leave and refer. You're like, what if they leave and they go kill themselves? Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> you know, you never know. I've had two patients in the hospital in the past that have attempted suicide and lived, and that is a really difficult thing. So one uh, was a, a guy who was, mm, I guess he was middle-aged, and he'd attempted suicide before, and um, this time he um, he cut his wrists um, and he also stabbed himself in the stomach. Oh my And gosh. I can't remember who found him or how, um, but he lived. In the ho- this was in the hospital? This was before he got, this was oh, why before, he was in the hospital. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and he lived and it was just so hard um, to figure out how to take care of him the right way because yeah. he did not want to be there. He was not happy mm-hmm. at all, you know? And um, so you've got to take care of him medically. He has some wounds to take care of and just some general medical issues, mm-hmm. you know, that were already existing before the suicide attempt, mm-hmm. but also the mental health part of it. And I feel like that's something where I could use, I don't think I've said that before, I could use a lot more training on yeah. what to do with mental health issues um, in our patient population because that's just not my forte. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't feel as confident treating someone with with mental health issues as I do treating someone with hypertension or, you know, heart failure. (laughs) Well, that's definitely, I mean, altogether, that's a totally different, you can throw a med at something Mm -hmm. or try to figure out what's causing it. And mental health is, you can't approach it the same way at all or treat it the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could throw meds at them, but most of the time that's not greatly beneficial. Throw meds at them. Just, Just toss them. Take these. Let it hit your forehead. <laughs> It'll sink in. Um, yeah, uh, that's... Did, did, did the patient, like, was he angry he that seemed, he lived? Yeah, and he you did guys seem angry. Him? And he seemed resentful mm-hmm. of me and the other healthcare workers and I get that because he didn't want to be there right. but also you know we're just trying to help him now you're in this situation there's yeah. nothing you know there's nothing we can do about it we're right. just now we're just going to try and help you heal yeah um so yeah that was tough I wonder if he ended up actually dying like not from not from that but from another 
right. attempt, attempt or... I don't know. Interesting. Um, there was another patient, and this was in the same year, and this was a really young kid. He was, I think, 16 or 17, and he shot himself in the head. And I don't know if, if people know this, but the, it does... First of all, don't commit suicide, please, because you're you're hurting yourself, but you're really, really hurting the people that you leave behind. Also, shooting yourself in the head, it just doesn't go well mm-hmm. very often at all. There's someone that I knew from my hometown who attempted that and yeah. and now he's permanently disfigured. He's fine now. He can live mm-hmm. you know, a normal life pretty much, but he's permanently disfigured. Right. This kid didn't die, He, you know, but he was having neurostorms, which I didn't even know what that was until I had this patient. So his brain was damaged and something would go wrong with his nervous system and his blood pressure would go really high and his heart rate would go really high and he would get a fever and there's no infection. It's just like your Mm -hmm. body's weird response, neurological response. Um, I know about that because I had a pediatric home care patient that I took care of and he had those. Really? I I think it was called something slightly different than neurostorm, but it was very similar. And they said when he has a storming episode, that's what happens. And it's really, you know, they try to get on top of it like right away or avoid things. If he had, you know, your nervous system can do that. If you have too much stimuli on your skin or something like that, it can trigger these storms. Hmm. Um, and they, so they really try to avoid storming episodes or anything that would trigger it. And if it happened, it was a big deal and they ho- try to avoid hospitalization. So they did, they had all these meds and stuff, but crazy. Man. I wonder how, I wonder what the statistic is of people who attempt suicide and the people that are successful. I feel like the people who actually are successful are a small number compared to the attempts. Um, actually, hang on. I do have, so... This is in the U.S. For every suicide, there are 25 attempts. Mm, wow, so it's one out of 25. Mm-hmm. Are successful. <sighs> Don't do yeah. it, people. Did you see the, <laughs> there was a lady, her story was on like Snapchat and in the in a magazine article. Uh, she, she was really upset at school back in her teens and she shot herself in the face. School and a lot of other things going on in her life and complicated issues and uh, so more than just that. And she, she sh- I think she shot herself in the face and she recently just got a face transplant. Oh, I kind of remember you saying yeah. something about this before. Yeah. Well, I was talking about face transplants, but this was because she shot herself in the face and then now she's a huge advocate for not, you know, for suicide not doing suicide mm-hmm. and talking to teens, but crazy because she, she just doesn't, she was a really beautiful girl and, and now she just like doesn't sound or look, you can tell something's wrong or mm-hmm. something is not, something isn't normal um, because it went wrong. It just doesn't, doesn't our bodies can out. survive. We feel like we're so fragile, but they really, and they, and we are, but at the same time can survive things that you would think are impossible. It's crazy how much, yeah, you're right, how resilient we are. I remember I was talking to a cardiologist when I was a newer nurse and I was telling him just some of my fears, you know, about what could go wrong. And he's like, nah, don't worry about it. You'd be amazed what the human body can tolerate. That's we'll just true. fix it. <laughs> But I mean, really, you know, it's it, true. We so many times again back to that story. That patient who had like forty-seven stents or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so it's insane that your body can just keep going, mm-hmm. and there's a lot to take it down. It takes a lot. Uh, sometimes it does it like if you, I don't know, starvation. You know, I don't know, but it's 
Yeah, it's, okay. it's it's a paradox sometimes the opposite is true. You know, mm-hmm. it, it seems like we're so fragile, but sometimes it seems like we're so just stubborn and resilient and just determined to live. <laughs> did you think of suicide because did the singer... No, no, no. Oh. He he had cancer. Okay. Um, I think I thought of suicide because um, there's someone in my hometown who's, you know, one of my family members knows who committed suicide recently. Mm. And there are actually a good many people from my hometown who have mm. committed suicide or attempted suicide. There's someone when I was growing up in middle school who committed suicide. Um, there are... Uh, there were just multiple people who attempted it. Um, I wonder why that is. I don't know. Smaller town? I don't know. I if there's any. But you know what? <laughs> to be honest, I thought about suicide a lot when I was a kid, ever hmm. since like fourth or fifth grade. Like pondered and questioned and curious about it or like I'm miserable, I'm thinking about it type thing? I'm miserable, I'm thinking about it. Really? In yeah. fifth grade? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's a really that's a really tough time. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, and every year I had like some different plan. There was even, here's here's a lot of stuff people don't know, but <sighs> just maybe it'll help people to talk about it more because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think about these things and there's such a stigma. I, you know, normally wouldn't admit this to people, but right. why not admit it to all of our listeners, all, <laughs> all 12 of you now? <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought about it all the time. And even when I was in um, middle school or high school, there were two other girls and we started talking about it and we had this plan that we were all mm. going to kill ourselves together. Mm. And um, they each actually did attempt suicide at some point. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and I didn't attempt suicide, but I cut my wrists all through high school. Mm. Um, so anyway, it sucked and it would have been good to, you know, mm-hmm. not have such a stigma about it and be able to to do something about it and just feel better. Because now I'm so happy. Mm. I can't even... Right, believe right. that that's how I felt, you yeah. know? And that's an important factor too, because you might be struggling or be in a really hard time in your life, uh, you know, going through puberty, growing up, that's like crazy difficult or mm-hmm. later in life. And they, all the stages pose really challenging and some might be more challenging for one person than another. And it doesn't mean you're going to be in it forever. That's true. Again, like if you had been successful and now you'd been missing out on the wonderful life you have now. It's true. I can't believe, you know, I went from being the most miserable person I can imagine myself to be Mm -hmm. to, I mean, I argue with people about I'm the happiest person in the world. No, you're not. I am. (laughs) You are (laughs) very- I really feel like the happiest person. (laughs) But you're very, even when you're not- Maybe I'm bipolar. (laughs) I don't think you're bipolar. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you didn't succeed, but I'm sorry you you know <laughs> went through that really hard period. That's that must have been really tough. Yeah, it wasn't fun. Um and it's amazing the woman that you're talking about who is, you know, who tried to shoot herself and then lived and is now mm-hmm. that's awesome that she is now, you know, feeling that uh, safe, I guess, and, you know, satisfied with her right. life that she can go around and reach out to other people. That's really yeah. cool. I think it's probably a lot of therapy and uh, mm-hmm. in general, not for her specifically, but for people that go through that uh, to be able to then turn around and be an advocate for other people. Mm-hmm. Really a lot of self-discovery. Um, anyway. I think that's part of why I wanted to be a nurse. Um, not, I'm not a mental health nurse, but I felt like, well, I want to help people, you mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. 
things change. Yeah. You can change. You're not always stuck in the situation. I told the patient that today. She was really down and upset and really feeling crappy and uh, the hospital didn't help her. They didn't do anything at all. She was in there from like 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. They discharged her with the same AFib. Never went away, but they didn't do anything. And anyway, and so she left and I was, you know, pat her on the back and I walked all the way down the hall. I was like, all right, we're going to get you out of this, you know, just you don't mm-hmm. ever promise anything, but that's what we do. Mm-hmm. And then they usually walk out feeling better. Like, thank you so much. Cause you ended on a positive. Yeah. We're here for you. Good or bad. We're here for you. Yep. You know, it's cool. People are available to help people. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I was thinking about that yesterday when I was carrying my stuff out of um, the Hangtown camp and I had my hands full mm-hmm. and I was like, oh God, all this stuff. And then I thought somebody's going to see me and try and help me. I don't want them to help me. Like I can carry all this by myself. And mm-hmm. then I was like, get over yourself, Sarah. Just Did someone help you? help you? No. Oh. <laughs> Nobody saw me. <laughs> and you were like, I really wish someone would have offered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I ended up just leaving my stuff at the bottom of the hill and then coming back for it later. Um, I wanted to share if, uh, you know, anyone is in a crisis or, you know, considering suicide, there's the National Suicide Hotline and it's 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. Or if you're not really ready to talk, but you're you know more of a texting type of person, you can text um, NAMI, and that's the National Alliance of Mental Illness, to 741741. And then somebody will just text you, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool because that's how people communicate these days. Right. Our generation, it's interesting to see people get so... My mom was asking about, well, phone calls, don't they use your minutes with a phone call? I was like, no, I, no, it doesn't quite work like that anymore. Also, our generation doesn't really talk on the phone very much. <laughs> I, I don't talk on the phone. I very rarely talk on the phone to my friends. It's all texting. Mm-hmm. We video, we Snapchat, we Instagram like that. We communicate that way. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, oh man, I can't, I very rarely talk, actually call them. Or, or they call me. And when they do, I'm, I always pause for a second. Like, oh, your a little, voice. A little like anxious. <laughs> and then like, this is dumb. Just answer the phone, you know? It's very bizarre how times change. I forgot I was going to say something about the suicide hotline. We can cut mm. this out. Um, <laughs> I had Leave it in. I had something I wanted to say. <laughs> oh, okay. I was driving home from work today and on the radio, they were saying, you never know when you could change someone's life. Um, and to, to be, the example was be positive, say hello to people. Uh, and then this lady called in and said, yeah, actually, uh, my mom said hi, you know, just hello to someone on the street the other day. And he eventually saw her again and said, you saved my life. And she said, what do you mean? And he said, I was actually on my way to commit suicide. And because you looked at me and you smiled and you said, hello, I realized, okay, there are still people who care or people who are positive and not pieces of shit out there. Wow. You never know, just being positive and smiling at a person or in traffic, letting someone go. I appreciate it. And I always try to do that you know, not, not like all the time. I would never get anywhere, but, <laughs> but you know, take your turns. Mm-hmm. It's so 
it's good. It keeps you in a good mood. It makes you feel better if you're positive. Mm -hmm. I have a cousin who's fabulous at that. She's a very positive person. She only listens to positive music, like (laughs) uplifting, you know, never would listen to rap or anything. But, you know, just everything is very positive. She likes to keep things positive. She will talk about negative things sometimes, but then she's like, that's too negative. Let's talk about, and she's like happy and great, (laughs) but it's a good example. It's hard to be like that because we're all about relating to each other by commiserating and, the, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I don't know my point, but anyway, that was a good story. No, it's good to have people like that because there are people who are on the other end of the spectrum. So it's good to have right. the, the balance. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, what I brought to talk about was uh, something called neuromuscular disease or diseases. There are many. Uh, I br- bring this up because I have a cousin who... Had her whole life, she's had stiff muscles walking up the stairs as kids. She would have to like help her legs up the stairs, not in a way where you would say, Oh, you have a disability or something's wrong with you. Um, but it like would, using her hands to she, kind of lift a leg up or something, or yeah, sort of having to do that not the whole time, but sometimes at the very top she would, or when she ran, her legs would kind of go out to the sides because they're not strong enough to, I don't know, weak you know, just really stiff. It's mm-hmm. not that they weren't strong. They were just stiff. And she looks very muscular and she's never worked out in her life. <laughs> you know, very tiny walking somewhere or maybe she's done more, sorry. Uh, but but she looks very she muscular. She doesn't lift a finger. But she's never, she <laughs> doesn't gain weight. She's like, you know, minimal. She's very muscular looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's progressed as now she's not diagnosed currently. Uh, so it has progressed and now she has uh, hyperthyroid, kind of bulging eyes a little bit from that. Mm-hmm. Um, other stuff, she, she sent me some of her symptoms, but just all these things that you would think are, you know, some stomach problems, some sleeping problems. Um, so she's got a just a variety of symptoms and nothing's been diagnosed. Right. They've done studies on her. They thought she had one thing. Then they said, no, it's not right. Maybe you have something else. That's not right. Let's do a biopsy. Let's do these blood tests. Let's do... And they, they haven't pinned it down. And to me, I feel like her symptoms correlate to a neuro, neuromuscular disease mm-hmm. because it's, you, have, you can have other symptoms with neuromuscular diseases and not just, you know, muscle stiffness, but that's one of the, you know, it's weakening over time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, now she has eye trouble because the connections to control your muscles are controlled. I mean, sorry, your eyes are controlled by muscles. So if those are weakening, you have more trouble focusing. And so her eye trouble is the... Like focusing. Moving her eyes or is you think it's the intraocular muscles, the ones that control the... I'm not Iris. sure. I didn't actually ask her what they were, but she said now she needed glasses. But you could have weak and now it's going out of focus and going or drifting and then it goes back. I don't think she has that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they're not related. Maybe I'm just thinking <laughs> thinking it is. But um, she said she'll let me know when she finds out any testing results. But it kind of brought me into getting really curious. I wanted to see if I could figure out what she had. And neuromuscular diseases are much more complicated and in-depth um, what did you find, then, detective? I thought, yeah. So 
Uh, this is just kind of a synopsis of them. The brain controls the movements of the skeletal or the voluntary muscles in your body. Mm-hmm. So our voluntary muscles, our leg and eye and stuff, um, involuntary, like your intestines, you can't tell your contestant, intestines to like contract, you know, and oh, push that much food as I through. wish I could sometimes. Yeah. So there's voluntary <laughs> skeletal muscles and then there's involuntary um, visceral, your visceral organs. Um so there's a combination of your nervous system and your muscles. They work together to make your body move. And those are called, and that whole system is called the neuromuscular system. Okay. If you want to move a part of your body, a message is sent to a particular neuron, which is a nerve cell called upper motor neurons. It's getting a little technical. Um, so they have kind of long tails, which are called axons. So everything connects in your brain and spinal cord. And then... Um, they connect with the lower motor neurons. And all of these kind of neurons, really complicated system from your brain to your spinal cord to your muscle, and it helps everything move. So in your spinal cord, that's where those lower motor neurons are. And they send signals through and it kind of tells your arms and your legs directly. Do something. Do something. You know, I want to contract. I want to lift up this glass. I'm not thinking about it all the time, but without, you know, we learn as babies, I need to do this. And then it becomes a pathway and we do it. We pick up the glass of wine to take a sip and you're not thinking bicep, (laughs) please contract right now, but it just works together. I was just imagining a baby being like, pick up that glass of wine. (laughs) Mm. Chubby little baby arm. (laughs) Uh, So a typical muscle has anywhere between 50 and 200 of those lower, lower motor neurons that are telling it to do things, to move. And... Then it goes off in a million branches. So it's very complicated. Uh, our body is amazing. Every time I read things like this, I'm like, I just think it's so cool. I totally agree with you. Sorry, not to sidetrack you, but no. I was thinking about that the other day when I was thinking about, remember how we talked about histamines a few weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, there's like these tiny particles that just match up perfectly with some other particle and it makes your cell open and do, come on. Isn't that, is that real? Isn't that not our like it's nuts. you study like the tiny little cells and how they work, like the little parts in just a regular cell and all the mitochondria and that makes energy and it does this and it does that. And it's not so in a tiny cell, we can't even see these tiny little microscope. I mean, you know, it's they're just, like just their crazy. own little bodies doing their own things. Right. And there's billions of them. Crazy. Quadrillion and jillion, gabillion, millions. A Google. A Google. <laughs> So you can also Google what I'm reading you. (laughs) The information. Uh, So the electrical signal then, it goes from the brain down into the nerves. Like I said, it uh, releases a chemical called acetylcholine from the presynaptic terminals. So these are all very complex. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. I'm trying not to be too... No, that's okay. You're bringing it all back to me. Yeah. So your nerve cells release chemicals. Those chemicals bind with the openings or terminals and other nerves and then, or your muscles and then, which are called receptors. Um, so it's like we were just talking about like a lock and a key. Right. They match so up and the acetyl, do something. Exactly. The acetylcholine matches up with a sensor receptor in your muscle tissue. And when you get enough of them all stimulated, your muscle will contract. So that's how you can bend your bicep. You hmm. get all the signal coming from your brain down your spinal cord into the nerves that go into your muscles. It releases a chemical and then that chemical gets accepted. When you get enough, it's like, okay, now I'm going to contract. That's so. so crazy. It happens 
like I think about it and I do it right now. See how fast, look how I know. fast I'm flexing my arm. I know, like you can't, it's so amazing. <laughs> Our bodies are amazing. <laughs> so like this, this episode is about like death, but also about the amazing abilities of our body <laughs> to not die. You know, whether we want mm-hmm. it to or not, it, it fights back because it can do these incredible things and heal itself. <laughs> I'm amazing and I refuse to die. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> so there are many diseases that are classified as neuromuscular disorders. Some of the symptoms of neuromuscular disorders are weakness, muscle weakness, muscle wastage. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we describe it? Like atrophy kind of, you're, you don't use something enough, it gets very small, your muscle cells get really small and weak. Yeah, like you don't use it, you lose it. So Right, you, you don't, don't actually lose it, like you don't actually lose muscle, but it gets your, each muscle's, muscles are made up of cells. So those sm- cells end up just getting very, 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 very small and thin. And then when they're that small, they can't do much. Like if you work out and they get really big, you, they can do more. So mm-hmm. that's what muscular wasting is. Uh, you can have mus- muscle cramps or stiffness that can kind of turn into joint or skeletal deformities. You can have muscle pain, breathing difficulties because your breathing is controlled by muscles pulling your lungs open and closed. Well, actually your diaphragm. Mm-hmm. They don't actually pull your lungs open and close. I don't know why I said that. No, but your diaphragm and the muscle, pressure. Right? Well, the diaphragm pushes up, yeah, and then the it relaxes down. So then it kind of the the pressure I think causes mm-hmm. it to open and close. Yeah. So I don't know why I said no, but you're right though. It's still that's muscle, and also you have your um, intercostal. intercostal muscles. Yeah. That, your rib, the muscles between each rib, yeah. which. When you take a deep breath in, they expand and then they contract. I like how we're both breathing and thinking about it. Like <laughs> this happens and then that happens. So you can have breathing difficulties. <laughs> you can have swallowing difficulties because that's all controlled by muscles. Everything, our eyes are controlled by muscles, our tongue, our cheeks. People can have speech difficulties, everything. Um, not fun stuff if you have a problem with it. So some of the causes, uh, neuromuscular disorders can be caused by genetic mutations, or viral infections, hmm. autoimmune disorders, hormonal disorders, metabolic, so your metabolism, metabolic mm, disorders. Like I guess like thyroid would be a metabolic oh, okay. disorder. Or an like, endocrine disorder, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, being deficient in dietary deficiency, certain drugs are poison and then sometimes they just don't know why it happens. They can't figure out the reason for it, but you certain can have drugs one. are poison and then can cause a neuro. They can cause like a, a disorder. Yeah, uh, you have toxicity in your. You can be, have to- toxic levels of something to your nerves, right, and destroy uh-huh. your nerves. Yep, the yep, drugs that's they true. can destroy a lot of things. Any toxic, yeah, uh, or maybe like if you drink cleaning poison. I don't know. I mean, sorry, cleaning solution. It could be poisonous or toxic to certain cells in our bodies. And oh yeah, duh. Like uh, or even like potassium. It's something that we mm-hmm. need. But if you have too much of it, that can right. be toxic and yeah. cause your heart to stop. Anything again, which our, is a muscle, right? <laughs> and our body is really good at homeostasis, meaning keeping everything kind of even and well controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. You know, if it does all all it can to not to keep that, but if you throw it off, it can be dangerous. Um, so that's kind of the main thing. I, I have uh, it goes into more, much more detail. There's hundred, there's tons of different types of neuromuscular disorders. You can you can look it up. Um, 
you can just Google it because there's a Google of them. <laughs> and it's really interesting. I, I, I went through, there were 50 pages of neuromuscular disorders that I went through, Jeez. all classified under different things, motor neuron disorders or neuropathy disorders or you know junction disorders. And um, Did you find anything that you think like, oh, this sounds like what my cousin has? There were a couple that I thought were really close, but then she like wouldn't have something or that, w- that was a, a main feature, mm-hmm. you know, or, oh, it's it's uh, progressively gets worse over this period of time or, and, and it's not, that's not really what's happening or, mm-hmm. you know, things that would say, well, no, but a couple of them were pretty close. And I wrote it all down on this paper that I lost. <laughs> Take <laughs> it. Uh, so that really the diet, the treatment depends on the, the specific disorder that you have. Um, and they diagnose you doing a lot of tests or electrical or nerve conduction studies to measure the ability of the nerves to conduct electricity. Uh, I had that actually done in in Spain. I think I've talked about this, but they stuck needles in my leg because my leg was numb. I sat in a test with my legs crossed for too long and then part of my leg, just like the skin itself went numb. It wasn't like my foot didn't feel, leg didn't feel asleep. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of the skin felt numb. For how long? Um, still that way. It still feels numb. Mm-hmm. It's just slowly gotten more. Ever since you were in Spain? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2011 what? or something. Yeah. So I, they think, they couldn't find anything. So they think I pinched a nerve. I had for about an hour and a half, my leg crossed over the other leg during a Spanish test in college. <laughs> and I wasn't thinking about my leg being crossed and moving because I was in a test, right? And so when I got out later that day, I realized I had touched my leg and it was very, I mean, like, like you took a, a ruler, very straight. I could put my finger on one side, run it over the other side. That was ex- a whole line down the middle of my leg to all the way to the backside. So it was 50, 50 uh, 180 around, hmm. d- a straight line on one side and then a straight line in the back down the middle of my calf, all the way down, up and down my leg. Um, and still when I shave, it feels kind of weird on one side compared to when I go on That's the side. That's so that weird. So I think I like pinched a nerve or something in your peripheral nerves, meaning you're like your your arms and legs do regenerate or grow back, maybe not to their full extent and not very quickly, but they do. Whereas your central nervous system nerves don't, huh? Or they do much slower. Check out our new sound engineer. Takeshi went Aww. to the bathroom. Maki took over. Oh, hey, Mock. <laughs> you're facing the wrong way, dude. <laughs> um, you've been replaced, Takeshi. Um, that's funny that that happened. The only time I've ever experienced anything like that was one time I got bit by a, um, uh, oh, you know, the dogs that have the big jaws. Um <laughs> pit, pit bull. I was like, uh. I'm like, Doberman? No, not a Doberman. Mastiff. Anyway, a pit bull bit me and um, it was just a tiny little puncture. Mm-hmm. But my whole, um, the backside of my forearm was numb for three weeks. Gee, isn't that nuts? It is nuts. But mine came back pretty quickly. So yeah. you must have had some substantial nerve damage. Well, <laughs> like, I imagine that there's a really big nerve in the area where your knee is mm-hmm. that runs down your whole leg. So it must have somehow compressed that one enough to... It's now it's, I have to, I can feel like I can feel it. It's just, you can tell that there's a difference when I slide my finger over to the other side of my leg. Mm -hmm. So I can feel that there's a difference in sensation. It's more, 
you know, when you touch your lips, you have a bedillion more nerve endings than like the back of your hand. Yes. And you can feel everybody the back do of it your right now. Go ahead and try it. Touch, touch your, your, lip your lips very lightly. <laughs> Ooh, that's tickly. You can feel every detail while you touch your lip, every detail of your finger. It's very sensitive in the back of your hand. You just, you feel it or any, or that your leg on the top of your thigh, mm-hmm. but it's just not as much sensation. Mm-hmm. And that's because we have, we have a ton, like you might have 250, oh my gosh, post that. We might have 250 million nerves in our lips and 250 million in our hand, but our hand is so much larger hmm. that, you know, there are gaps between it anyway. So you just it's don't like feel as much. like how nerve endings are concentrated in the clitoris. Exactly. You could have the same. Everybody touch your clitoris right now. <laughs> Unless you're a man, then I'm sorry. You're not going to yeah, be able to experience. Sorry, you don't have to Touch someone those. else's clitoris. <laughs> as long as they Get say consent. yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, my point was that my leg, I pinched my nerve. Yeah. It's weird. It's super weird. <laughs> they grow back eventually. I don't know. Carter. So Carter, remember the story? Carter chopped off the tip of his thumb. Oh, the, I did remember that. The nail has come Still off. Still bitter that I didn't get to remove that suture. <laughs> I know. And that was what it didn't hurt at all. It wouldn't have been exciting. I wish you had pulled out the one that I did that was really painful. Oh. Anyway, so the, the nail came off, that part of the nail only, and mm-hmm. then that skin layer over it. And now it's just a big bubble. Like my mom has huh? that. She cut off a really tiny part of her finger and it's just a bubble. So when we cut off parts, it like overgrows or something oh. and it makes these bubbles of skin. It's like so, a keloid. Right. It's like a keloid. Mm-hmm. Explain a keloid for A keloid is an overgrowth of, ke- uh, is it? Scar Keratin is the part. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to, ex- it's scar tissue, but I think it's an, um, Abundance of keratin. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it makes like a big texture, like a big bubbly scar. It's not just like, you know how some scars you look at, you can see it's discolored, maybe the texture is mm-hmm. a little different. A keloid sticks out more. Um, yeah, it sticks out more. It's more 3D. Yeah. They're also more prominent in African-American people. Mm-hmm. And it's I actually true. saw this man walking over the weekend. He had a huge keloid right across the middle of his neck. Uh oh! I went. Oh my gosh! I wonder if someone tried to slit his throat, or maybe he did. I mean, I don't know, or an accident. But it was a huge keloid. I just. Hmm. Like, I feel really uh, lucky to not get keloids because I scar really easily. They say people with darker skin scar more easily, and mm-hmm. I have like half dark skin half the year. Yeah. You know, like my dad's Middle Eastern, so. Anything that scars, scars forever. Mm. Here's that dog bite. That's from like six or seven years ago. Oh, wow. It was just a tiny little thing, but that's probably going to be there forever. Anyway. Yeah. She just be like, Carter, he loves scars. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, it's a story. It's cool. Wait, who who said scars are like tattoos, but with stories behind them? Was that you? No. I heard that Maybe it was Carter. Maybe it was. I don't think I said that. Uh, somebody said that recently. Scars are like tattoos, but with a story behind it. Maybe I heard it on TV. I feel or another like it, podcast, it would but. be something Carter would say. He has like one. I was, I'm always asking him because I'll find a random new one. Well, I guess not really anymore, but in the beginning, and it's right across the back of his hand, and it's because he punched through by accident. I think. Uh, uh, maybe he didn't punch. I don't know how he punched by accident, but a window in Italy and broke it. 
<laughs> or not Italy. I'm confusing two stories. Anywho. Oops, I raged on this window. Incidentally. <laughs> yeah, so he was Anyway, <laughs> now he's going to have a big old keloid on the tip of his thumb. It looks so funny. It looks like there's like a red bubble just on, on his thumb now instead of the... <laughs> you think it'll stay forever or do you think yeah. it'll smooth out over time? I think it will smooth out somewhat mm-hmm. because, you know, where skin's constantly growing and sloughing off. But it's going to look like something's weird on one part of his thumb. <laughs> you know, it's not going to just go back to normal. He doesn't really care. What do you- well, I want to see that. I know. I, I mean, love weird skin stuff. I've probably talked about it too much. Now I could be like, oh, that's just tiny. <laughs> Carter, text me a picture of your thumb. And I'll be like, yawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm really curious to see what my cousin ends up being diagnosed with. Is oh, she going like, is she currently, you know, under investigation from a medical perspective? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about anything else, but uh, she says she is currently getting testing and will let huh. me know. You know, I think when they should have really started, in my opinion, when she was a little kid and first noticed this, but probably thought, oh, it's nothing. And it didn't, it doesn't sound like it has really gotten worse until the, for the last, until the last several years. But you know, what's interesting though, is that certain genetic disorders, and I'm sure this is probably true of lots of different disorders. Mm. They just, you know, didn't know as much about them. This is true of everything. Right. We're, we're learning more about everything all the time. Right. Um, I used to work in a cystic fibrosis clinic um, at a major university hospital and people as adults were getting diagnosed. So when I was growing up, I thought cystic fibrosis is something that you have in childhood and then you are most likely to die of it before, you know, by your early 20s. That's what I always learned growing up. And then when I got to work in this you know, clinic people weren't even being diagnosed until they were past their 20s. Mm. So it's like they're finding more and more out about mm-hmm. different genetic mutations. Like, oh, this is like a slight variance of that same mutation or whatever. So yeah. maybe maybe she has something that's just not really well known yet and she's a rare, <sighs> you know, a rare yeah. find. And I, I, It matches up with a lot of these disorders, like having also accompanying thyroid Mm-hmm. issues. Maybe it's an autoimmune one. I don't know. Maybe it's something totally unrelated. But when I looked up the symptoms, I looked at like all of her symptoms and you can't type in thyroid because then it just thinks all the thyroid disorders. Like mm-hmm. you can't say this, this and thyroid and it's like thyroid problems, mm-hmm. you know. But this is like an accomp- the main thing is the muscle stuff and then these all have come out over time. So it's really interesting. I will keep you all updated. Please do. Yeah. Um. All right. Do we have yeah. anything else? I don't think so. Jen's not here. She's not feeling well. Oh, yeah. The baby's been kicking lately, she said. <gasps> really? Yeah. That's oh so exciting. Gosh. But apparently he's been kicking really hard because she said she had a lot of pain last week. Oh. He's grounded immediately. How, as soon as he comes out, he's grounded. <laughs> how old is he? <laughs> how 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 far along is she now? She's due in February, so... I'm December, January, February. So she's minus four months. Thanks for doing the math. I'm like, so, I don't know. Minus four months away. Okay. Wow. I haven't seen, does she have a belly now? Did you see her? Have Barely. You seen her? Oh, she's so she's tiny. tiny. She's and tiny. She's tall. Tiny. <clears throat> she, 
She's very voice. thin, we should say. She's not tiny, yeah. short. She's very thin. She's tall and thin. Tall and thin. Just very muscular and lean and... Beautiful blonde Jen. Jays. Her with a pregnant belly looks like if I'm a little gassy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I started out how she probably looked at like six months. It's ridiculous. Like, I'm like that like every day. I don't know. <laughs> oh, are you a little gassy today? Oh no, you're five months pregnant. Oh, Ow. dang. I just had a burrito. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all right. Some people are lucky in certain ways, you know. <laughs> That's right, Jen. We love you. And we miss you. And tell yeah. that little baby boy that his Auntie Sarah is going to be real angry with him if he keeps punching you in the bladder <laughs> and the uterus. You need to come back and do a show with us. We also have Depends in our office if you ever need it. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I feel like we've said um a thousand times. Um and like, I'm like so tired. I just keep umming and liking. Tonight is the umming and liking episode. We um and like everything, but we want to encourage you to be positive to your fellow um and likers because we're all going through something. Um, I like that idea. Um, thanks girl. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks guys. Write to us at www.nurses at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at... Whining W Nurses. Cheers. Cheers.